In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is a wonderful day. Today is a day that the sacraments come to a Son of God who will, from here ever after, be in the fullest earthly communion with God there is, the universal communion, or the Catholic communion. Could you have picked a better Sunday than this Sunday when we hear about the Good Shepherd? I dare say not. There is something on the surface level which, is, which seems perfect and fitting, and it is. There is a deeper mystery that I would like to begin to explore and meditate upon with you, but briefly. The Lord is the shepherd. We are the sheep. And obviously, he desires his sheep to be together. He, he explains himself, not just for the sake of expediency, but because of something intrinsic to our relationships to him, that we also have relationships with each other. This is at the very heart of original sin at the beginning of human history in Genesis 3, when after the sin of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel have already offered up their sacrifices. Abel offers a pleasing sacrifice. Cain does not, and Cain slays his brother. When our Lord comes searching out for Abel, he asks Cain, where is your brother? And Cain replies in words that should never be quoted as though they are an adequate alibi. Am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question is, well, yes, Cain, you are your brother's keeper. Uh, having murdered your brother is bad enough. Having talked back to God like that is even worse. We are our brother's keeper. We are responsible to God for each other. We are answerable to him. At the very, very least, we understand this because God loves everyone. So if I have a relationship with God, I therefore have a relationship with everyone he loves. That's, the, that's at the very DNA of a family, right? You marry your wife, you love everyone that she loves. Her mother is here, her daughter, who is also your daughter, so that's easy. Uh, everyone that's in the heart of the person I love is automatically in my heart. There is a perfection in that love because it's not the love of my desire. It's the love of, of generosity. We see this in, uh, in its divine form in words that we can barely articulate. We will articulate them to some degree during the creed. When we think of the love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the love of Father... For God the Son begets God the Son. It is a perfect act of love which results in, the, in God the Son existing. The love of Son for Father, the love of God the Son for God the Father itself is proceeding into the person of God the Holy Spirit. 
The, the first procession has its own name of procession. The second procession has its own special name of spiration, where the Holy Spirit is begotten of that love. And we specifically use the word begotten in the creed because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are equal. Equal in majesty, equal in divinity. There is no time before which God the Son and God the Holy Spirit were begotten of God the Father. This is the eternal, unending, intrinsic mystery of the existence of God. There can, in, in, uh, in, in many of our uh, day-to-day lives, there seems to be, understandably, an idealization of the love of two, right? The love of one and another. Uh, most people don't have their sights set beyond that. And that love of, of two, of male and female, of friendship, of marriage, which, which is open to children but doesn't necessarily result in it. It took me 10 years to become an uncle, thanks to NFP, I am. There was something intrinsically different about the relationship of my brother and sister-in-law as future parents from the relationship of those two who had no interest in uh, having children. You know, two who were either friends or lovers or a genuinely married couple, but were completely uninterested in children. The relationship of those two, my brother and sister-in-law, during the first 10 years of their married life, and the relationship of uh, another pair um, have almost nothing in common. Because the love of another that is open to the love of another, my life being, my life belonging to you, that is also open to belong to another, that's, that's the gift of self. That's love. That's generosity. But the, but the love of, of my belonging to you, but it is not open to the love of a third, that's, a, that's different. That's a love of, of affection. That's a love of commitment. That's a love of devotion. But it's not a love of complete surrender to whatever would be the consequences of the love, Right? It's one thing to love someone and to be open to and embrace and to be open for all the consequences of what it would mean to love you. That's a, that's a complete, generous surrender. It, it's entirely, radically, categorically different to say, I love this person, but I'm not, I'm not open to the usual consequences of what it would mean to love that person. For instance... Um, they might get sick, I have to care for them, or they, they might lose their job, or, or, or work might take us elsewhere, or we might have children, or something else might happen. The consequences of that love, if they are not embraced, call into question how much those two people love each other. The love of two seems to be a romantic ideal, for, for good reason. Um, but the love of three, the love of spouse and child, the love of, of the one who loves me in return, and the love of the person whom 
whom my beloved loves enters into a whole new dimension. To love God means to love those whom he loves. We are a flock. We aren't individuals who have isolated relationships with God. It is impossible for me to say I love God while hating my brother. Our Lord is a great teacher, though, when, when he's trying this analogy with them and it's not sinking in, he switches gears. And he says he is the gate. Well, that's different from being the shepherd. He's the gate. Um, there's a pen, there's a field, and there's uh, a fence, but in the fence there's a gate. And comparing himself to the gate, he invites us to realize that these analogies... You shouldn't be taken too, um, to too much of an extreme. Understand them for their purpose. Their purpose is to introduce us to a mystery. And, and there are many ways of describing this mystery, not just one. So after many years of uh, praying, I think, I think the first time we met was at Chris Hickey's barbecue party uh, years ago. Uh, I was very encouraged. I remember talking to Christine, not that day, maybe later. Uh, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I, I remember the sensation of thinking, I, I don't think he's too far away, but I don't in any way um, um, uh, denied my absolute delight and surprise and joy in, in today. Now, to belong to God means to belong to his church, to be part of the flock. There's another mystery here that I think is worth a little bit of a, a little bit of a meditation. Because when even if, we want, even if we know Christ and love him and want to belong to him and are willing to belong to the thing that he starts, it's worth recognizing how very different that is and how his analogy is so different. When we understand really who he is. There are many of us, many Catholics, born and bred or... Um, introduced to it later on in life, but not well, who don't understand that Christ really is God. Christ really is begotten of God the Father. Christ Jesus is incapable of sin because he's God. Right? Someone who has an, a relationship with Jesus Christ, which includes their thinking about the possibility of Jesus committing a sin, they have a relationship with someone whom they understand so little that it's tempting to say they don't actually believe in Jesus. I can say they don't know him, but they have a relationship with him, which is very clearly his desire. He's open to having the company of those who don't understand him. He was with the apostles for several years. They believed in him. They didn't understand him. They knew he was from heaven. They weren't going to leave him, but there was still much for them to understand. 
if Christ is simply the miracle worker, if Christ is a man who happens to have powers to raise the dead, but still is just a man, then his institution is merely an institution, one that he desires to establish and wants to maintain, and has to be judged by the the human standards of institutions. However, if we recognize eventually with the apostles, after the resurrection, with the resurrection that our Lord, our Messiah, the Christ, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of Mary, he really is God. then belonging to him and belonging to his group of believers is not merely belonging to a club or an institution. It is, it is a, a divine mystery that is played out on earth. It is something invisible that we are allowed to see. It is something untouchable that we're allowed to consume. It is an It is more like the earthly manifestation of an angel, one who dwells in heaven but is permitted by God to be seen by human eyes. Because the things that we do are not earthly things. They're they're not the rituals of a club. These are the the sacred realities of, of God's presence among us in very similar manner to his incarnation 2,000 plus years ago, appearing to be ordinary, but in fact being God. And returning to the gospel and the analogy that he uses, consider then something about his describing himself as the shepherd and we as the sheep. If Jesus Christ were just a man or a man with superpowers, his being the shepherd and we being the sheep would be a way of exalting his his status among us, you know, his being king of the mountain. And but it would but we're similar creatures, so it, it, it makes sense, you know, creatures that eat food and have ears and eyes and just different parts of the animal kingdom. But when we realize that Jesus actually is God, then his being the shepherd and we being the sheep is a, uh, is a promotion for us. It's, it's extraordinary that he's willing to, to be humbled to enter into this relationship with us. And to talk to us. He walks ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers. Although it's worthwhile to talk about what it means for us to listen and to follow, think in this 
short meditation about how all this is different, knowing that Jesus is God, think about what it means about what God is doing. The shepherd is being followed by the sheep because they recognize his voice, because he's always talking to them. He's singing or speaking to them, addressing them as a group, addressing them by name, because I'm sure he, of course he has a name for each of them. He knows each of them individually. The shepherd is always talking to them. We wouldn't begrudge someone that. We talk to our dogs. We talk to our cats. Of course, shepherds talk to their sheep. We might not have thought about how much he talks to them, how he needs to talk to them, how he needs to talk to them all the time. It's quite a commitment. Even more amazing that this is a description of God's activity for our benefit. God is always speaking to us. Sometimes uh, uttering the, the beauty of creation, sometimes speaking to us as a group, encouraging us, or sometimes in moral instruction, sometimes speaking to us individually. God is always talking to us. Christ is always speaking to us. The, the, the love, the generosity, the attentiveness, the, the humility is almost mind-boggling. He's always speaking to us. And even the, the gospel itself bears that out. He's speaking to them. They don't understand it. So he keeps speaking to them. He uses a different analogy. He doesn't quit. He tries something else, see if it, sees if it works. He continues to teach the apostles for years. He doesn't give up on them. He does express exasperation at times because it is exhausting. But he never stops talking. So, we thank you for reminding us what it means to listen to God and to follow him. And, but more importantly, to remind us um, how God loves us. And how that is never to be taken for granted. So as we stand now to pray the creed, it's in the hymnal, it's in the missalette as well. We'll pray it in English, after which will be the profession of faith and the confirmation. Remember, we're not stating the things we believe. We're offering up a prayer in which we entrust ourselves to God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in whom we believe. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.